Hello and welcome to Caveman's Corner. We're coming to you live from Buffalo, New York. Today we're going to have a really special podcast. I'm bringing a guest. He is not really an MMA fighter. He's fought MMA, but he is very well known in the jiu-jitsu world. He is Mr. JJ. He used to shoot these vignettes. I used to watch him when I first started training, man. He's amazing. He came to Western New York MMA. I trained with him once or twice. I'm going to give this guy a call right now, and let's see what we get. should be a very interesting podcast. I'm here with Mr. JJ. What's going on, Mr. JJ? Nothing much. How are you doing? Good. I'm glad I got you on here, man. You're one of my favorite people in the jiu-jitsu world. You actually came to my academy one time. I didn't get a chance to roll with you, but it was amazing just to see you come into the doors. That's awesome, man. I appreciate the kind of words. What made you start traveling around and training at other gyms, man? I'd love to see that when you post that. Uh, my job. <laughs> <laughs> it's my job. I'm traveling for construction. Oh. I'm a, uh, I, work, I work as a safety... Uh, the coordinator for my construction company and i travel we do jobs all over we do a lot of big projects all over and a lot of people think i actually get paid to travel to gyms i don't it's my job and i go usually on my lunch break or if there's you know if i don't have a meeting at the time or if i'm done for the day it takes we travel all over so i'm at a lot of different gyms and it's uh i'm blessed to have this job that i can i i don't travel as much as i used to but I was I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. But yeah, I don't get to be the good chance. It's because of my job. Oh, man. I always thought that it was like something that you did and you post online and you got paid for it somehow, man. That's that's even better. That's, yeah, I, I don't get a penny or anything from, from jiu-jitsu. I don't know what you're, you're doing. something wrong because you really should monetize yourself a little bit. <laughs> nah, it's, not, it's not really something I'm interested in. I just enjoy, I, I enjoy what we're doing right now, talking. Yeah. Talking about training, life, yeah. jiu-jitsu. That, that's all I care about. I, I'll save that for other people. They can go make money off jiu-jitsu. I'm not into that. Well, you should at least get your gas paid for or something, man. You're, uh, you're traveling all over the world. It's great to see. Um, you do these vignettes on Like that. I said, like I said I, I'm traveling all over the world because my company's paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> you got, I'm trying to get you a little extra cash, man. You got to go with it a little bit. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> get some nice jiu-jitsu sponsors, like some gear to sponsor you and just pay a little bit of money. Uh -huh. Tell you what, people, people send me a lot of free stuff as it is, so it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's pretty amazing. What's what's your favorite yeah, gi? Uh, I, I, I wear a lot of show-your-roll gis. I roll, I've been wearing show-your-roll gis for almost, oh, man, at least maybe uh, seven seven years I've been wearing show-your-roll Maybe eight years I've been wearing. I just like, I like their pants. I like, I like their fixture. Uh, I just like I just I just like the way they feel. I just love their designs. I love show your old geese. I love them. I'm a uh, I'm a big fan of them. I know some people uh, think they're hard to get. Honestly, God, if you go on the website when they release them, and you're a pretty quick typer, you can buy one. They're not overly priced. A lot of people think they're like five six hundred dollar geese. They're not. You can get them. They you know you go on the site. They start at like one sixty five. The nicer ones go around two twenty five, but they're not like a crazy price. And all my show your old geese, I've had them for years. They've all lasted. No rips or nothing. I've got two, and they're both amazing. <laughs> the only thing I ever had happen. I have other gis too. I have other gis too. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? What was your first key? My first key was Krugins. Uh, no, my first key was a Swain Judo kimono. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Swain was the guy that won the. He was the Olympic gold medalist in Judo in ninety. I think ninety two for the U S. And it was my first key, and I bought that in nineteen ninety six. And then after that, I got a Krugen kimono from Brazil. You know the old Krugen kimono? Yeah, I always wanted uh, one. Bought, 
Those are nice. And it, uh, it was full of patches. And I'm sure it's at my mom's house somewhere. I'm going to find it one day. I have a bunch of old jujitsu stuff at my mom's that I need to get out of the attic. Some old videos and pictures I need to get out, too. I definitely want that old Krugans, that old Krugans gig because it brings back a lot of memories of me getting my ass kicked as what though. <laughs> Speaking of Mike Swain, I had his uh, his VCR uh, tape set of Armbar, Juji Gatami. So uh, that, that's how far back I go, too, man. We're, we're from the same generation. People aren't going to understand. Like, you had to buy VHS tapes or get them copied to actually start training. Uh, it was crazy. It, my, my favorite thing was, I, like I said, when I started fighting MMA in the 90s, in 1996, I, had, I would go rent VHS tapes from Blockbuster. <laughs> we would pause it, and we would practice the moves that Hoist was doing. My first leg locks I ever tried were from watching Ola Tatar going for his first leg lock. I watched Ken Shamrock doing his first leg lock in UFC 1. And then I found other, uh, some Eric Paulson had some videos he just had out. There were some other ones, a Russian guy, I forgot his name. And then I had two uh, Brazilian Mundial videos, championships. And there were some, uh, Machado was in them. Cabrera uh, was in them. Those are a couple older ones. And I was slow. I was, I was, everything was paused. What was that move they were doing? I would just pause the VHS, rewind it, and uh, how long have you been training? I started. Uh, I started wrestling in 1988. I started unofficially grappling in uh, 1994, and then I started training official Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that wasn't like wrestling or catch wrestling or anything in uh, 2000. Oh, you're old school. You're gonna awesome. Yeah. So I started like the first time I saw UFC one, man. I was like, I gotta be like hoist. So I. I I started training just like you did with my friends and trying to triangle choke giant guys and we put fights on in my backyard and all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, <laughs> those days were. <laughs> I did the same exact thing. That's awesome. <laughs> You're like one of my heroes, man. And uh, I love how you keep, just keep telling people to train, but every time you post that old school stuff, it just reminds me of like how I had to come up. Did you have a legitimate instruction around you when you first started training? No, not. No, I did not. It was just, it was VHS tapes from Blockbuster and then a couple of years later, I went to the Grace Academy in Cleveland. But I was only there for a few months. Because my, my goal back then was I wanted to get in the UFC. I had this crazy dream that I would go to the UFC. But I would travel all over. I would go down to Columbus and train at the Hammer House with Mark Coleman. Uh, I, would, I went up to uh, Coldwater, Michigan. I trained with Dan Severin. I trained. Uh, I went up to Minnesota train with Brad Cole. I trained uh, with a lot of old, old school UFC guys. I was just jumping around and around, just looking for a place to train. Then eventually, I got a nice group of guys. It was my hometown, my hometown in uh, Warren, Ohio, and we would just train in my garage. <laughs> I see some of the but pictures. I never, I never, I never really, I never really had a real instructor. I mean, I do have, a, I do have a, a current instructor. I, me and him started the Grace Academy in the '90s, and he has done. I've been with him for almost 14, 50 years, so I do have a, an instructor. But starting off, my, like my first ten years. It was just me freestyling, basically. Yeah, it was really tough. I mean, for me, the closest blue belt, I mean, we used to drive an hour and a half to go train with a blue belt. And, you know, that is, people today don't even understand how hard it was to train back then and how, it was, how hard it is no, to get like, the knowledge. Like, like it's, it's like, like, I, like right now, and I tell people right now, just make a post on social media and you'll find someone to train. It's amazing. You'll find someone. Like a lot of people say, you know, my school closes at 4 but I get off work, you know, and I can't get off. So I'm like, just make a post on social media. Get some cheap puzzle packs. And you'll find people to come over here. You can train in someone's garage. You can train. People are always up to train. I can literally train 
20, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I, it's just, I just know there's that many people available. You know? And I live in the middle of Ohio. I'm not in a big city like New York or California. I'm, you know, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of Ohio, and I can find people here today. So the excuse you can't find people to train or you can't afford or the gym time, th- those don't work with me. Not anymore. I find it back in the day when it wasn't possible. Yeah, we, we all did it back in the day. I, I actually had, I bought mats and I put them up in my attic and I put holes in my ceiling, like training in my attic because that's just what we had to train. And, and we had to train somehow to get better. And I love the way how you just call people out for their excuses and like you just got to go train. Hey, the things I'm not really calling people out, I know it's going to get a certain reaction, but I know there's a small percentage of people that see my post and they're, they'll message me. They're like, you know what? You're right, Mike. You know, you're right. That is. That is a bullshit excuse. You know, you're right. I probably could do that. And then I'll give them my guidance of how to do it. You know, I'm like, well, these are the steps now. Since you really are, since you do realize that you are the problem, you are the hindrance to your training, let me give you some advice what I did coming up. And then it helps them out usually. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And you train with a lot of these guys. I mean, I looked at some Reddit stuff before, uh, before I had you on, and everyone was saying, like, Oh, I train with Mr. JJ. He's awesome. Like sometimes he comes off a little hard, but he's an awesome guy. He's awesome to train with. Every every post I see is all everyone that's actually met you or trained with you and not posting shit online says that you're an awesome guy, and that's super cool to to hear. Yeah, I, there's very. I don't think I've met one. I'm, I'm sure there's some people out there think I'm a douchebag. <laughs> Probably but, some of you. The majority of people I've met, most of the people I've met along the way, great relationships. Even over the years, you have. People that I know I never see again. I never work in that area. We still they they still message me. We still talk. I've never had anyone, you know. I I know I come off online. I know I come off a little harsh, but the thing is, I know I'm going to reach a few people if I cut a little deeper than the average person is just telling you, pat you on the back and tell you, yeah, you'll do better next time. Not everyone needs to hear I'll do better next time. Some people need to hear the truth straight up to trigger that beast that's in them. You know what I mean? To wake up. That demon that, that's trying to fuck out them, that's trying to fight better, you know? Because I always come down hard on parents. That, you know, that you can talk about protecting your children, you can talk about this and that, but unless you're in the gym training, it's not going to happen in real time. And I know deep down every parent wants to be able to defend their child. Every boyfriend wants to be able to defend their girlfriend. Every husband wants to be able to defend their family, you know what I mean? It's just sometimes you got to cut a little deep to wake them up a little bit, and that's all I'm doing. I actually want to thank you for inspiring me. Um, I sat down and talked with my professor. I run a kids program where I'm at, at Western York MMA. I saw one of your videos, and you said how important it is to, to teach your kids that they you know, they really need to learn jiu-jitsu and how to defend themselves. And it's on the parents to teach them that. And I kind of took that to heart. I never really sold it super hard when I'm selling out the memberships that like this is something you need for your kid to, to protect your kid. I always felt kind of douchey about it. I watched that, and I'm like, I talked to my uh, professor about that, and he agrees with me, and, and you brought us a, a point that neither one of us, we really don't really like to pressure sell parents, but I, I think I'm going to start pressure selling parents just because of that. And kids, I mean, they don't need to stay forever, but they, they should definitely learn some basic basic jujitsu. Yeah, And it's not, it's not really pressure. Like, like me personally, I don't own an academy. So when I make a post like that, people automatically think I'm trying to sell memberships. I don't even post the gym I train at. My main gym, I never post it on Facebook because I don't want anyone to think I'm ever trying to persuade someone to come to my gym for this. I never tell people, you should sign up. I just tell people that this is what I believe. I believe just if I have a child, I want my child to brush his teeth. I want him to learn how to read and write. I want him to learn how to be a good citizen, how to be polite. I also want him to know how to protect himself and his children one day. 
I believe these are all our essential parts of of growing up. Their education, their their learning abilities is growing up. It's just it's not it's not basketball. It's not football. It's not baseball. It's soccer, martial arts. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Mar- martial arts education. It, it it goes along with everything. It goes along with your hygiene. It goes along with your health. Along with your eating habits, it's just something that needs to be done. And then, if, when the child's eighteen years old, if he wants to keep doing it, that's on him. You know. Right. I also like the fact that I, I see a lot of kids come in, and every now and then you get the kid that like he's all star at everything, but he comes in and eventually someone taps him. You know, I think it gives a good sense of you're not the king of the world, and you know sometimes you're going to get your ass kicked no matter how good you are. And I think kids need to see that even more than ever before than in today's society. And I do it to my kids. I probably do it even worse. My my kids, they play football, they play baseball, they play basketball, but they both do jujitsu and they both and they both wrestle. Now they're in wrestling season, and they got matches every week, and and they're doing other sports at the same time. And sometimes they'll have to go against kids that just do strictly wrestling all year round. You know what I mean? And they and they go get humbled out there. And I'm like, hey, it's just part of your learning process. Now they're young kids, so sometimes they don't understand. They're like, Dad, man, you know. You know, I want to win all my matches. I'm like, you don't understand that, that every loss you get now leads to your future. Not, not that I want my kids to be future jiu-jitsu or wrestling. I don't care what they do. They can be painters. Just <laughs> be future champion and eating humility now. Because it's going to go in a long way. It's going to go a long way from the over. I guarantee you, I said, metric, like I had this one post I posted a couple of days ago. I said that, make, your, make sure your kids fill down in an atmosphere you can control. Because eventually life, it's gonna make them feel uncontrollably. You won't be you won't be able to help them. So assist them now. Have them fail at a jujitsu match. Have them fail at wrestling. Have them fail at football. Whatever sport it is. Let them get used to not getting a medal. Let them get used to failing now. So when life does it, they know how to handle it. That makes a lot of sense. I believe in that one hundred percent. I also think that we all get humbled in life, and there's nothing more humbling than walking on a mat and getting tapped out by a little kid when you're big kid that's like physically dominating a lot of other people and you get on there with a good jujitsu green belt that's been training you know seven eight years he's just too young to have a blue belt or purple belt and he's out there with the kids and then one day he ties you up or you go get him from the adult mat because most of the time those kids are training with the adults anyways so you go grab him why don't you come roll with this kid one time you know and show him what jujitsu really is and uh i i really like that the humbling aspect of the sport Oh, it's amazing! I get tapped by so many lower belts than me. It's it's ridiculous. I can't even. It's it just. I've given up anymore. I'm like, oh, this is definitely an ass kicking coming up, and I just, I just, I just try my best. It's just, it's just that, that that humbleness. It's it's what drives me, and I try to do that in a lot of stuff. Not, I try to do that with with my job. I try to do that with my children. With stuff I don't know when I work out, when I lift. But I, I try to I try to put everything. I, it's like I say it all the time. I relish in the struggle. I love to struggle. And that comes from jujitsu, and it flourishes in other parts of my life. I love to struggle in other parts of my life to see how can I overcome that? How can I overcome this? How can I overcome this? You know, it's just I love the struggle, man. Before I forget, uh, you're talking about short roll geese earlier, and uh, one of the black belts in my school, Mike Schultz, he loves short roll geese and wanted me to give uh, give you a shout out from him. Uh, he, you trained with him when he was up there, and uh, he likes you a lot too. So I want to give him a shout out real quick. Yes, what for me, Mike? Tell him what's up. <laughs> he will for sure. He's definitely listening to this one. He doesn't listen to too many of these. These are usually about MMA, but uh, every now and then we, we get some good uh, jujitsu ones, especially uh, 
I try to do a, a local series. I'm trying to get everyone black belt from the area on the podcast so they can say what they think about jujitsu and uh, having a little bit of success getting most of the guys to putting away some uh, some gym hatreds to come and do it with me. So I re- really appreciate that as well. Oh, that's cool, man. I wish you the best of luck. We're not a very big area. Jiu-Jitsu just started here, like, basically when I started. We're all, we all started about the same time, so it'd be nice to have the history just recorded. Oh, definitely, definitely, for sure. What lineage are you from? I'm under, uh, well, originally I started under, I started under Hoist Gracie. That was my original gym, was under, was under Hoist in Cleveland. And then I'm under, uh, my instructor is James Trelecki, and he's under uh, Marcelo Montero, which uh, he's a De La Hiva black belt. So uh, it's we're, we're all very like my whole game has a lot of De La Hiva to it, just because he was a De La Hiva black belt. He passed it on to my instructor. So I definitely love if you roll with me, there's a De La Hiva hook coming, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever rolled Master De La Hiva? No, I haven't. A lot of my friends have. There was, I had one chance to go to Brazil. We we're going to go down there. We we're going to go down there and train. And I was not able to go at the time. This was years ago when I was single. And I wish I would went. But there is a chance I'm going to go to Brazil next summer. I got invited by a couple gyms. They asked me to do a seminar. And I, I don't teach at all. I don't like, I, I don't, I don't like teaching at all. I know it sounds crazy. I, I just enjoy training and rolling. I told them I'll come down there and I'll talk. I'm out, but I don't want to teach. And they said they still want to fly me down. I said, if that's the case, then I definitely might come down. But the school is asking me, I think it's Coco Cabana, they want me to come down. So, And if I do, I would like to drive down and let a train at De La Hiva's because that's a legendary gym. That would be so, awesome. I uh, I didn't get a chance to roll yeah. with him because I wasn't high enough rank when he was in. But uh, I watched him roll in the academy I was in. And, man, his legs are – ama- he grips with his feet just like it's a hand. It's I can't even explain. I mean, I've uh-huh. rolled with a lot of people at really good Delhi, but it's phenomenal how good his is. Well, you won't be impressed with mine because mine sucks. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> I hate Delhi. It hurts my knees, man. If I play against anyone really big, it always hurts my knees. And I can only play like one or two rolls, and then I'm, my knees start to swell up. Well, usually if they're big, I'll go from Delhi to the half. Just because I can't take the pressure of them, they're usually trying to slice, slice by, and then I'll switch it and go to my back and go to some kind of deep half. Just because yeah, I'm old too and my knees are hurting. I, I try, I'm trying to play with the block one. If you're at least 30, 40 pounder, pounds bigger than me, and you start, you know, heavy passing or slicing the, the knee through, then I'll switch to half, and then either it works or you're just gonna pass me, and I'm like, oh shit, here we go, <laughs> start all over again. Yeah, I like to play the the X guard and, and a half deep half a little bit and a regular half even. I'm a pretty old school guy. Uh, my knees don't hold up so more, and I'm little too, man. I'm like 150 something pounds, so everyone's bigger than me. Okay. I feel like the little guy all the time. How hard? Well, I'm five foot seven. I'm 102 pounds, so it's, I'm not that. I'm not. I'm not too much taller either. No, you're not tall, but you're thick, man. You look strong as hell too. Uh, back in the day was now nah, I'm I'm an old fart. I'm uh, <laughs> I got a, I got a lot of injuries I'm dealing with, man. It's just there's just lifelong injuries and it's uh, I used to be I used to be pretty I used to be pretty strong in my rolling. I used to be very I used to be a very aggressive roller. I used to I used to super aggressive. Now it's I have one pace, my pace. <laughs> I don't care how fast you're going, how strong you are, 
we are going to go at my pace. You can still go at your pace. I don't care what you do. I might tap about a hundred times, but you're, we're going to go at mine regardless. So. <laughs> That's what happens when we get better. We can uh, just be like, ah, whatever. I've been through a hundred wars now. I'm just here to get better every day. I couldn't think of anyone better to ask than this. Uh, what do you do to deal with all your injuries and recovery? And especially you, man, you're training all over the place. And you talk a lot of shit. I know you're never taking any days off. So what do you do to keep your body running? So I, uh, my body used to be really bad. So when I first started training, I used to party really hard, too. I was <laughs> like, when I, when I would train, after training was done, I was going out drinking, and I was gobbling every uh, every drug I could see in front of me back in my day. Even when I was fighting heavy, my last MMA fight in 99, I won the amateur belt, uh, the no holds bar belt, the Midwestern one. And I remember that same night, I was at the bar, and I remember I blacked out drunk. Damn. But years later, I started getting a little bit, I started caring about my health. But once I had children, is when I really started caring about my injuries and my health. That's what all turned around for me. And I started doing a very, uh, I've been doing it almost four years now. I do intermittent fasting. Uh, I do very low carbs. It's not keto. Uh, I eat a lot of protein, a lot of fats. I still eat a lot of vegetables. And I feel like that over the last couple of years. I still have, my, I have some injuries that are permanent. I have both my triceps are torn. My shoulders are shot. My knees are shot. My back shot. But this diet I've been on has definitely helped percolate. It's brought inflammation down. I have a lot of energy. So my, my diet has definitely helped me. Where I can train almost every single day. I can lift and roll almost every single day. Now, I'll, I don't train more than an hour every day. When I lift, I don't lift more than 30 minutes a day. So it's not like I'm doing like two, three-hour workouts anyways. I'm not getting ready for any tournaments. But I can still roll pretty good every single day. And I believe this diet has definitely helped me. Yeah, diet's a huge. Now that I'm older, I, I eat a lot healthier. I feel a lot better. I can tell. Like if I have pizza, man, it's gonna be a rough next day. The next day, I'm not gonna be rolling so good, and I'm gonna feel it. I, <laughs> I run up my own gym on Sundays, dude. I had chicken wings. And I was like, oh my god, what did I do to myself? It was the worst. Man, I love chicken wings. Man, I love chicken wings. Next time you're in Buffalo, as long as they're not breaded, fried, as long as they're not Oh, who? We're in Buffalo. We don't have breaded wings, bro. Uh, next time you're in town, I'll make sure I get you some good wings from Buffalo. I'll make sure you get some good Buffalo wings. You know, I'm supposed to be back up in Buffalo. Uh, I think I have a meeting up there I think sometime in January. Hell yeah. Stop by, man. Yeah, well, we'll, definitely get, we'll definitely get together and train for sure. Yeah, if you're going to be there, I'll bring the podcast stuff. We, we roll and then we talk about the roll. <laughs> Just do like a 10-minute oh, podcast awesome. right there on the mat and we'll talk some shit. Time. How you tap me about you kicking my ass. That'll be awesome. Nah, it'll be the other way around, man. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Even if I have to let yeah, you I'd in. I'd love to train. I'm, <laughs> I'm, there we go. There we go. I like that. I like that. <laughs> I'm just talking a little shit. I know you probably kick my ass. We'll see. It'll be a good roll. Now, nah, man. It's good. It's good. Well fun. Well fun. I'm going to study Delhi Hiva if I know you're coming, so I pass right away. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> how hard do people roll with you uh i know you like when you travel to other gyms i've been to some gyms where people try and kill you and i've been to some gyms where people are super nice how do you deal with all that and and what are you your experience has been like most people try to kill me <laughs> especially if i'm in a gym where nobody knows me and someone might recognize me from online and they're like now, now some people recognize me they're, they're too easy on me 
I'm like, shit, you know, I'm, it's you're the, you're the guy who does the videos from your car, you're up here. And, like, and some guys are like, they'll just see a black belt and they're like, oh, who's this stranger? Let me, let me, let me, let me get a notch on, on my bedpost and see if I can tap him. Right. And, and thing is, I want people to come after me. I want people to fucking hurt me. When I roll and I don't know you, please try and hurt me. Please try and fucking disable me. Try your best, please. That's what I want. Because it keeps you realistic and that's what I want. That's awesome, man. I love the sound of that. And trust, and trust me, I'll tap. If I, I'll tap. I have no problem. I've tapped the people I've never met before, lower belts. I have no problem. And I've seen they'll make posts. Oh, that Mr. JJ guy was in. I tapped him. He ain't shit. I don't care. That shit <laughs> don't bother me. Come after me. I don't give a shit. How do you think the lower belts compare nowadays to when you first started? Oh, they're not even in the same league. Even a, even in, in MMA or jiu-jitsu, not the same league. If I had to fight the people now that I fought back then, I would lose. If I had to roll against people I rolled in tournaments now at blue belt, they would crush me now as black belt. It's just the game has evolved tenfold. It's, it's not what it used to be. Uh, just people's games, the way they train, the way they think, people's access to information, to uh, techniques, just the newest stuff. It's just YouTube. There's so much free stuff online. There's just... Stuff we didn't have back in the day. A blue belt now is a bump back in the day. I think so. Honestly, 100% too. These blue belts today, no more. Yeah, a, lot of old school guys don't want, a lot of old school guys want to admit that. They're like, oh, back in my day, this and that. I'm like, hey, I'm from back in the day. And these dudes, these young cats, would whip our ass. Let's be honest. Yeah, they're way better. I I think we were physically tougher, but that doesn't matter. They're just way more skilled. The, the game is so different yeah, too. I remember when I started, people used to tap out when you got mount, and then they thought half guard was bullshit. It was stupid, and the game has changed so much. Yeah, I know some blue belts that are about 135 pounds. They get you in half guard. Um, next thing you know, they're going to bear and bully you and be on your back. <laughs> yeah, you're seeing like purple belts win uh, Abu Dhabi and, and tapping black belts all the time, and it's just a different game. Do you think that uh, people are holding belts back a little bit? Uh, some hold back. Some want to be able to, like, I don't want my black belt forever. I just hold my structure. I wanted to be a brown belt. I, I try to stay purple belt forever. He's like, dude, he goes, man, you compete too much. You know, you make the gym look like we're sandbaggers. You got to get it. <laughs> I was like, all right, give me the belt. And I, I, honestly, I don't even want my black belt. Now. I'd rather go back to brown belt. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I think some, some instructors want their, want, it all depends what the student is. I feel like if you have a student that's trying to make money off jujitsu, hold him back. Let him be the best at each belt because he's going to use that as a marketing tool one day. Right. Now, if you're 65 years old, retiree, you're coming three days a week, you're putting the work in. You know, it's, you know, it's, I think the belt comes out to the individual and what that person is doing. Now, there should be a basis to everything. Like, I don't care if you're 35 or 65 years old. If you come three days a week and you still can't do a correct arm bar or at least keep someone in your guard for 30 seconds, and you just say white belt the rest of your life. There's nothing wrong with being a white belt the rest of your life. But you don't think there's a problem with uh, having a little bit of separation between guys that are competing at the highest level and maybe a guy that's just coming in to protect himself or just enjoys jiu-jitsu. He's been training every day. He's been training 13, 14, 15 years. He, can, he knows all the techniques. He, he doesn't, you know, not against competitive athletes, but he can tool up, you know, most purple or brown belts in the gym and then he deserves it, right? Correct? But, yeah, well, I think he deserves it, too, because he's put the time in 
and he's supposed to train it, and he, you know, it's, it's a mixture of things. But he still has to be able to do certain things. I roll with uh, uh, James Schleck. He's been on jiu-jitsu time. He is 79 years old, had multiple heart attacks. Me and him roll all the time. And he is a one-stripe black belt, and he can still hold in guard. He can still do certain things, which, you know, and I know other guys have black belts his age, and they can't do that. And then there, then there is a problem there. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe this, you know, maybe this guy should have stayed a brown belt, you know. Right. My black belt at 79 years old is outperforming 50-year-old black belt. <laughs> so, you know, it's, 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 it's subjective, honestly. It's subjective, to be honest. Yeah, there's a big concern that uh, jiu-jitsu is getting like karate and the belts are coming out too easy. I just think there's more and more people doing it, and the level of the game is so high. I mean, it's going to be hard for, you know, when you tap your instructor and you're better than your instructor in some cases, it's going to be, uh, it's hard not to say they deserve a black belt, you know? Oh, no. And then, of course, you're going to have that occasional instructor who is jealous of a student because we are humans and you do get some asshole instructors that are like, man, I can't promote this guy because next thing you know, guess what? He's leaving the gym, he's opening a gym down the street. So there's some business attached to belts too, which is probably why I never wanted to open a jiu-jitsu gym or do anything with besides jiu-jitsu because I don't, I don't want to get involved in any of that shit. I don't, I don't want to strike people. I don't want to belt people. I don't want to promote people. I just want to be quiet in the back and when it's time to train, let's train. <laughs> right. Do you have a, what do you think about all the politics in jiu-jitsu? There's a lot of like the Gracies are, uh, going against each other, like Hickson says, some of the black belts shouldn't count, there's IBJJF. I think there's a lot of um, discontent in the jiu-jitsu world right now. Do you know what I do with that stuff? I don't get involved in it at all. People tag me in that stuff all the time. If you notice, I never post anything about jiu-jitsu competition, about uh, black belts, you know, that are sandbagging. If you look, I've never posted one thing that has to do with jiu-jitsu topics, like who's competing I just don't I don't I don't want nothing people tag me and stuff like that and I'm like I don't care uh, I remember I did a podcast a while back and they kept asking about uh, this one grappler in New York what, he is very controversial what's his name um, not Alan uh, not AJ uh, the, the guy he's a Conor McGregor's uh, uh, what's his name Conor oh, McGregor's Jiu Jitsu coach what's his name oh uh, uh, Dennis Dennis yeah, Dan. Damien, Dan. Or, yeah. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know anything personally about the guy, but I do know that he did compete in ADCC. He does fight for Bellator, so I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. Because <laughs> I've never done any of those things, so I don't, I don't critique fighters. I don't get into their politics or their arguments. I keep my mouth shut. If it's, unless I know you firsthand, I'm not gonna talk about you. It's, it's it's just something I don't do. It's just it's just how it's just how I am. So I don't get involved in any of that shit. I like to. I actually asked the question because I I haven't ever seen you post anything. I know you had to have a lineage, and you don't even put your own lineage in front. You just talk about jujitsu and why people should do it. And I I, I, I don't want the page to be about me. Yeah, like I, today I posted a picture of me training back in the day just to show people that you know it's not. Cause some people will ask like you know when when did you so who are you where did you come from like. Where did you train? I'm like, who's this? Who's that? How do you know this guy? I, it's amazing. Like, when did you train with this guy? Like, I didn't know you know this guy. So sometimes I'll post stuff like that. But I want my post to be more about getting people to rethink the way they think about stuff. That, that's all I'm trying to do. Just I'm just trying to get people to think of a different way to approach something. What made you shoot the videos in your car? And that's when I really started knowing you. 
I know uh, a couple other people were doing it all at the same time, but no one ever did it like you. Yours are something special. Why Why did you start shooting the videos in the car, just telling people to train jiu-jitsu, shut up and train, and stuff like that? Well, actually, the majority of my posts aren't made for, like, aren't made for a mass audience. They're usually directed at, like, one person. <laughs> but they come off that they're for everyone. So somebody will tell me something, and I, I get triggered. I'll be the first to admit, I get triggered over something. So when I started the page, it was so I could find gyms when I traveled for work. That's the only reason why I started. I just started the page because I was looking for a following. I give a shit about following. I started the page, so I'm like, man, I go to a lot of gyms, and it's hard to find, you know, last-minute gyms. This will have a page, and I'll post pictures of me going to the gym. So other people will see it, and they're like, hey, if you're ever working in whatever, Utah, Las Vegas, come to our gym. That's the only reason why I started it. And then one day somebody stood me up, and I made a meme about it. <laughs> and then... I came to the page the next day. I only had like 20 followers. The next day I had like 200 followers. They're like, dude, man, that's funny because I hate when people stand me up. Dude, I'm like, oh, I was talking about one person. I wasn't trying to make a meme. I was doing it to piss off the one guy because he didn't come. I wanted him to see it. And then I kept doing this. I was like, anyone that would upset me about something, I would post about it. I was like, man, people really like, really like what I'm saying because it's really directed toward one person. And it's kind of stupid what I'm saying, but I guess people were resonating with the meaning of what I was saying. Right. And then I made a couple of videos for my car because I was angry about a couple of issues with somebody. And people start sharing those. And I was like, you know what? I'll just talk about it. And people want to hear me yammer on about my complaints and my triggerism. I'll just do it. And it is what it is. It took off, I guess. Well, I think you're a pretty normal guy, so anything that, that you're feeling, everyone else is feeling too. And there's all stuff they think about and they want to say, and you're the person that's saying it. I really like that. Yeah, and, then, and honestly, I'll be honest. Sometimes I'll say some stuff, and afterwards I'll be like, man, maybe I went a little too deep. You know, <laughs> I hope I didn't hurt that guy's feelings. I, I'm still human, man. And a lot of people think I'm just cold-hearted. Uh, it's, I'm not a motivational speaker. I am a 46-year-old constructor man, father of two, husband. Uh, I'm not a motivational guy. I'm not, I just sometimes I get real excited. I'll say stuff. And I wear my heart on my sleeve, but sometimes I regret some of the stuff I say. There's some posts afterwards I'm like, man, I got to take that down. I went a little too deep, you know. <laughs> I don't want to send people the wrong way. I don't want to get the other person get too depressed, you know what I mean? Right. You know, and I, there's times, too, I'm like, man, I, you know, I got to rein myself in. You know, I'm human. Yeah, the only other guy I've ever seen do it from the car that I really liked was uh, Dustin Dennis Clean. I don't know if you know him. He's like, he was always like, chop, chasing the gold. I watched that, and then yours are... Honest to God. Go ahead. Dustin, is, Dustin, I would say, is one of my influences toward my videos. I got to give him credit. He's... I remember, I remember I saw one of his videos back in the day, and, and a lot of people say I have a Dustin Dennis feel, and i got to give the guy credit. I've never met him before, but a lot of his videos probably pushed me the way I kind of talk a little bit, too, a little bit of that mindset, too, from back then when he made videos. I haven't seen him do any videos lately. I wish he would. They were awesome. Back oh, they then. were amazing. I only saw, he only, he only had a couple, a couple, and a lot of people say you get, and I, honestly, God, I got a lot of motivation from that guy back in the day, too, so. Me too. I went to his seminar, dude. He's just like that in person, too. We did a triangle seminar. We triangled each other like hundreds of times in two and a half hours. It was crazy. It's really good. And I definitely recommend checking out one of his seminars if you can ever get there. I think somebody told me he had, I don't know if this is true. Someone told me he had cancer. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's an internet rumor. I don't know. Someone told me he had, he had a really bad case of cancer. I don't know if he's over it or he's still going through chemo. I don't know. But someone told me he had cancer and I don't know if he's out there. If you ever listen to this, man, you're an inspiration, dude. I hope you feel better. Yeah, same thing for me. You inspired me as well. And uh, I seen he released a um, a DVD series or an online series a couple years ago, and he looked a lot different. So 
Maybe he was having some health problems, man. That's sad to hear, actually. Yeah. All right. If someone told, if someone if someone me and they go, man, you remind me of my old instructor Dustin. I was like, man, I used to look at Dustin's videos. He was a big influence on me, and I think he's the one who told me that he was currently had cancer. This was a while back. Mm-hmm. Now I don't want to say that for sure. I I can't remember. I'm an old dude. <laughs> my memory fades. So I think that's what I heard. So. Man, awesome. I appreciate you coming on this podcast. I know where I went over the time that I said I was going to go with you. I appreciate you coming out and jumping on. And we changed the time. I'm sorry about the time, too, the other day at 7. I thought it was supposed to be at 8. I apologize, man. I know your time's valuable. Uh, don't ever apologize to me. I'm not uh, I'm not that special. you got to apologize to me. All right. Well, when you come in Buffalo, you can choke it out of me, man. We'll see. Uh, and if I get you, then you got to come back on again. We'll do another, like, 10. I'll bring the stuff, and we'll do it right there so you don't got to go anywhere. And then I'll buy some chicken wings. Yeah. It'll be my pleasure, brother. I would love to. All right. Thank you very much. That's Mr. JJ on Caveman's Corner. Thank you very much. My guy, Ray, he's really fat, and he's always had excuses not to train. He even had excuses not to come today. So what do you have to say for uh, Fat Ray there? You know, Ray, bad people, bad things, bad times, they don't care. You should have made the podcast. You should have been here. No one buys your bullshit excuses. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I'm gonna, we're going to probably cut that into like an intro and stuff for the podcast. So if you want some bucks, we'll send some bucks your way. <laughs> Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. All right. Thank you. Keep having fun, brother, with it. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. I owe you some wings, and I owe you a roll, too. Definitely. Look forward to it. All right. See you, Mr. JJ. Thank you for your time. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.